Thought Leadership Studio. You're listening to Thought Leadership Studio, the podcast that helps you master high-level positive mass influence to create distinctive business niches, captivate an audience, grow your following, and change the game by changing the frame with strategic thought leadership. Thought Leadership Studio. Welcome back to Thought Leadership Studio. This is episode 34, The Magic of Multiple Perspectives. Mental skill for thought leadership and market leadership. Or how taking multiple perspectives opens up creative possibilities. What this episode will do for you is help you discover four learnable thinking strategies of creative geniuses in service of accessing and using more of your own creativity. Help you get acquainted with the triple perspective imagineering strategy of Walt Disney that enabled him to combine creativity with business success. To contrast buyer personas with a more powerful way to gain and utilize the insights from taking the customer and prospect perspective. To learn how to more consciously switch perspectives to gain more insights on an issue. And to learn something called the four chairs exercise for expanding your thinking and gaining customer empathy. But before we jump in, first a word from our sponsor. My web design and digital agency, Fifth Level Web. Are you tired of your company's online presence falling short of your expectations? Look no further than Fifth Level Web the web development and internet marketing company that makes the internet turnkey for companies with $5 million to $100 million in sales. At Fifth Level Web, we have high-level tech experts on hand to ensure quick response times and top-notch service. Our team will work with you to create a compelling message and web presence that sets you apart from the competition. Establishing your company as a market leader with the thought process of strategic thought leadership. But don't just take our word for it. Try us out for free. Head to fifthlevelweb.com forward slash TLS. That is the number five, T-H-L-E-V-E-L-W-E-B dot com forward slash T as in thought, L as in leadership, S as in studio. Head to fifthlevelweb.com forward slash TLS to claim your web analysis and consultation and see the difference Fifth Level Web can make for your business. Let us help you cut through the clutter 
and achieve online success today. The link is in the episode description as well as on the episode page on thoughtleadershipstudio.com. So lately there's been a lot of chatter and press around artificial intelligence. So in this age of chat, GPT, another AI, we need to remember that number one, technology will not replace creative human thinking. So number two, self-mastery and service of innovative thinking and expression is still the path. And for some perspective, consider how Noam Chomsky called ChatGPT autocomplete on steroids. It's regurgitating, recombining to some extent, but can only be based on its training, can be based on the past, can be based on its algorithms. Uh, but it is making certain kinds of research a lot faster, but it's also potential for overusing it. So things are changing and we need to account for that. Maybe it's an opportunity. As many of your competitors are rushing to AI and maybe overusing it in places where it can lead to groupthink and repetition. And that can create an opening to stand out even more with creative, thought leadership positions that maybe are informed from some angles by AI, but that could not have come solely from AI because they didn't exist before. Especially now that anyone can generate content with AI, human creativity is essential to creating content that will stand out, to creating a message that will stand out with whatever media you use to transmit it to your audience, build your audience, engage your audience, which can come from what I call strategic thought leadership. Now, artificial intelligence definitely has its place on the research side, but standing out and cutting through the clutter requires taking an authoritative, unique position and articulating it in a powerful way that AI alone could not have done. Otherwise, your prospects could have just asked ChatGPT. So let's consider creativity as a differentiator. Let's consider expanding and utilizing creativity as a tool for competitive advantage. Now, one measure of creativity is how different your behavior is, how different your output is, how different your production is. 
and what AI could have predicted based on your past history. If we accept that creativity gives the confidence of strategic advantage in the age of AI, then the question becomes how to get more creative. We're operating from the paradigm that creativity is innate. How can we open ourselves up to better and more fully express our innate creativity? Uh, so this is a good point to remember that creativity comes from the unconscious mind out of the blue, so to speak. Like when a musician or artist says, I didn't write the song, I didn't do the painting, it happened through me. That's a statement of an unconscious process. So we can always get more effective though at consciously creating a situation that invites this unconscious creativity. So the conscious mind sets the stage for the actors of the unconscious mind to step into the right setting that opens them up. One way to get better at consciously inviting creative or inspired states is to study and model the thinking strategies that are common in creative geniuses but are uncommon in others. And since these characteristics are learnable, that gives us a path towards developing our own creative genius, to developing visions of positive breakthroughs and bringing them fully to life. So here we go, four strategies for creativity that came from modeling creative geniuses like Nikola Tesla, like Albert Einstein, like Leonardo da Vinci, like Walt Disney. Number one, multiple perspectives, which is one we give special focus in today's podcast. Multiple perspectives is about seeing things from different angles to access different information. Number two, using both conscious and unconscious processes which is knowing when to let things come to you and when to intentionally think deeply on something. And these creative geniuses would take time to reflect, take time to let the unconscious create an answer that just seems to emerge out of nowhere, but also they apply their conscious minds to both creating the situation and to doing what it does well in conscious analysis. Number three, accessing and applying powerful positive states. Consider this like creating an expectation of success and holding it as you think about what you want and what it will take to get there. Number four, creating and accessing a detailed sensory world, which is about having a vivid and well-controlled imagination that you harness as a tool for success, like Leonardo da Vinci would train his imagination in certain ways. He would look at a wall that was painted and the paint was flecking and let his imagination wander until he could see different scenes emerge from this abstract forms or like look at clouds and let scenes emerge from that. So he trained his mind to let the new emerge from the abstract that way. He also would observe nature and sketch nature to 
see how well he could internalize it, even holding up the sketch to the real item after doing it from memory to see how well he internalized his imagination to match the external. Mozart uses senses to compose music, which is, of course, an auditory phenomenon, but he brought all the senses in, in stages. First of all, creating a powerful feeling and then letting musical snippets emerge from this feeling. So this was unconscious, like letting little melodies appear in his mind while he's walking and humming them to himself. Then imagining the different instruments like there are different ingredients in the meal and how would they taste and smell. This was a conscious process where he consciously created counterpoint by blending the taste that he imagined the different instruments to have. When you think about Mozart's music, is it not literally tasteful? And then he would see the whole composition like an abstract, visual sculpture. And again, go to the unconscious process of letting it unfold into a greater dimensional architecture, so to speak. So by engaging all of his senses sequentially in this way, building up to larger and larger representations of a musical piece, he develops incredible musical memory where he could compose entire symphonies in his imagination before he wrote the first note down. Now contrast this type of musical thinking with how music is typically taught in schools where you start with a musical notation, which is the last thing that Mozart does. He only uses the notation once he's already composed the piece in his imagination. Now, these four strategies, multiple perspectives, using conscious and unconscious processes, accessing and applying powerful states, creating and accessing a detailed sensory world, big topics. So we're going to focus on the first of these, multiple perspective thinking. And pivoting between perspectives is a key mental skill. Switching positions, switching perceptual positions, like an author would, switching between characters in a narrator, gathers new information and adds additional frames within which to consider things. Now, John Grinder, one of the co-founders of neurolinguistic programming, emphasized the importance of taking multiple perspectives when communicating and understanding others. He believes it's essential to effectively communicate through understanding the other person's perspective and adopting their frame of reference. That means being able to see it from their point of view, understand their thoughts, feelings, and beliefs, build deeper rapport, connect on a deeper level. And he advocates for being aware of one's own perspective and being able to shift it as needed for greater flexibility and adaptability in communication uh, to help avoid misunderstandings and conflicts. But Multiple perspectives aren't just for communication, they're also for innovation. So think about Walt Disney's Imagineering. Disney was known for his ability to shift between multiple perspectives and think creatively in order to bring his ideas to life. And haven't you ever encountered the paradigm that creative people aren't businesslike and business people aren't creative? 
he proved that wrong by harnessing creativity aligned with business success. And he did this with what he called Imagineering. And what Robert Diltz in The Strategies of Genius, Volume 1, where he modeled the Disney strategy, discovered he had three different perspectives. The dreamer, the realist, and the critic. Each of these three perspectives had unique advantages and characteristics. And part of Disney's innovation was separating them into separate rooms so they didn't cross-contaminate each other and hinder each other's full expressions. Let's consider each in turn. The dreamer. The dreamer state is visual and future-facing. When adopting the dreamer perspective, Disney would imagine far-off possibilities with no limitations. Blue sky thinking. In the room of the dreamer, he would see an expansive vision of the future. Once the dreamer had a dream, Disney would take this to the room of the realist, the second of the three perspectives of Imagineering. Once a dreamer developed a full vision, the realist would then adopt it to chunk it into action steps. The realist state is kinesthetic where the dreamer state is visual. The dreamer state is no bounds, but the realist state is action-oriented and it's focused on what can be accomplished in the here and now. So the realist is about chunking down the dreams of the dreamer into step-by-step -step goals so that the first step has a realistic probability of success. This is where storyboarding was invented because in this realist room, Disney's animators would make pictures of the scenes and put them on the wall to better visualize the different stages towards bringing the story to life. So once the realist had a plan of step-by-step -step goals, you bring this plan to the third room of the critic. Once the realist has broken the visions of the dreamer into bite-sized, actionable steps, the critic would make the strategy auditory. So now I've balanced senses and the dreamer's visual, the realist is kinesthetic, and the critic is auditory. And the critic is auditory in the sense that the role is to go through a mental checklist of criteria to contrast the plan from the dreamer and the realist with an ideal. Does it meet this standard? Yes or no. Does it meet standard B? Yes or no. How does it contrast with comparison with the competition. Now, of course, the idea is to criticize the plan, not the planner, and do it in service of making it the best plan possible. And from this position, a set of necessary improvements might be generated, which can then be taken back to the room of the dreamer to come up with solutions for each. So Disney's Imagineering is an example of multiple perspective strategy that can lead to extraordinary results. The sequence is important, the balance of perspectives is important, the separation is important. Because if the critic jumps into the dreaming, the critic will criticize the dream before it fully unfolds. So you don't want these states to contaminate each other. You want each to unfold fully with this. Now, if I was given a workshop on multiple perspective thinking,
to a marketing or sales team, I might help them warm up with a few examples at least some of them could relate to. Imagine you're in a conference room. The sunlight throws shafts of gold from the tall windows onto a round table of suited business people. The hum and the cold blast of the AC plays counterpoint to questions and tonal curiosity. Maybe there's an older projector adding a fog of the smell of a burning hot bulb. So, if I've got some sports fans, I might ask them to imagine being at a close game between their team and a rival. The crowd's roaring, scores close. Then they get a job, though, as a referee. Step into the same situation, but with a role to see both sides equally and impartially with fair and just penalty calls. I'd have I'd ask them, when you see the opposing team as an impartial referee, how do you see them differently? Then I might ask them to imagine you get a job as a coach for the opposing team. You take the job because you're getting paid very well to help them succeed. How does that shift how you see your old team? How does that shift how you see and hear and feel the opposing team. Now imagine you're shifting roles to be a coach for your team. And again, you're immersing in a role of not only rooting for them to win, but being partially responsible for it. Can you see how being able to pivot temporarily to suspend your frame of thinking and pivot to those other roles, the referee and the coach for the, for the other team, and bring these different things you notice from these other perspectives could serve you in creating a better winning strategy for your team. Can you see the value of being able to temporarily suspend your normal mindset in service of expanding your thinking with new perspectives and how it adds insights you won't get by only immersing more deeply into whatever your normal point of view is. The power of pivoting points of view. And this is also helpful in negotiation. If you want to change someone's mind, you might make a case for your different point of view. You might try to undermine their point of view in favor of yours. You might list the advantages of your point of view, but how do you think people respond to being told they're wrong, right? What if instead you pivoted to their point of view and validated it first, seeing something like, well, from your angle, from your perspective, seeing it from your eyes, I completely agree with you. You're right from that point of view. What if we shifted to this other point of view, though? and examine the issue from here. What if we take a new information? What if we have different criteria? What if we aim for a bit of a different outcome? Do you see how that could be more influential? Well, before we dive more deeply, just a reminder about what this podcast is for. Thought Leadership Studio is a workshop in strategic 
positive influence. So you can consider this podcast an ongoing workshop to help you attain even more peak performance in your thought leadership. Think of the episodes as your library for self-training as a high-performing thought leader. So it's condensed learning. So keep in mind that with some of these topics, I spent years honing my approach with model building, testing, learning, and incorporating principles from breakthrough examples, as well as various other ways of innovating and optimizing. And my intention is to bring this learning down to a condensed form for your optimum empowerment. So I strongly recommend repeated listening, as well as keeping in mind that multiple level learning can happen at least to some extent outside of conscious awareness. Having an impact on beliefs is actually a higher level of influence with accompanying higher positive impact than the typical conscious mind learning, like remembering a list of the right things to do. And through my training in things like design human engineering and neuro-linguistic programming, systems thinking, game theory, I'm using techniques like multiple level learning, embedded metaphorical loops, accelerated learning, both to give you an accelerated training process on this never-ending continuum of being better at strategic positive influence, and also to act as a model to follow in how I convey the skills to assist you consciously and unconsciously in putting these to work in your own communication. And before I dive into this further, I want to remind you that if you're listening on an app, check out the link in the episode description, and that will take you to the episode page on thoughtleadershipstudio.com, which has extra resources, a different perspective, that which fits better on a web page than on an audible podcast episode to fill out your learning in this area as well as links to some free offers like the Marketer's Guide to Strategic Thought Leadership, which will help you utilize the building blocks of strategic thought leadership in your own persuasion of marketing or leadership. And also a link to get a free 30-minute brainstorming or discovery session with me in which we can address your thought leadership specifically. Thought Leadership Studio. So back to multiple perspectives and creativity. Let's consider how It can help you move beyond buyer personas. The buyer personas are a way to start to gain empathy for the customer point of view. A buyer persona is a fictional representation of what an ideal customer is based on market research and data about your target audience. The reason for creating this character is to bring the customer perspective more fully to life with sensory information, what do they look like, how do they act, what do they sound like, and a history, what's their past like, what's their CV or resume look like, what's their day-to-day activities look like, what are their hobbies. And the idea 
is that knowing a target customer's demographic, psychographic, and behavioral characteristics will help you to better understand their needs, their preferences, their motivations, and their goals. Buyer personas are moving in the right direction, but is it really enough? Would creating a fictional representation of a referee really give you their perspective? Or is it actually pivoting to see things from their eyes, hear from their ears, and feel what they feel with a sense of immersion in their reality that grants new information that really makes a difference? Until we learn to see our businesses and services through the filtered lens of our clients and prospects, more limited understanding of what we do, what I call wearing a limitation mask. There's a disconnect that can prevent fully harvesting breakthrough growth our businesses are capable of. When we understand the customer, when we understand it is the customer who sets the value of a service, and when we accordingly design our services from their point of view, from the outside in. Now, a while ago, I wrote a post, and I'll link to it from the episode page, which is linked to in the episode description if you're listening to this on an app. A post called Ability Suits and Limitation Mask for Marketing and Leadership. And there brought up the point that empathy and awareness are essential to marketing and leadership. I asked, what if we could see, hear, and feel things from our audience's different perspectives of what we do? And how would that change how we educate and empower them as thought leader? I brought up an example there. A couple decades ago, I ran a company that provided corporate wellness programs. We provided things like wellness profiles en masse for companies like Bayer. So we processed long lines of folks to the rhythmic pulse of stepping to a beat to check their heart rate under exertion, grunts, the smell of sweat, and the hum of a printer spitting out the reports. These reports included interesting points like a health risk appraisal, which answered the unusual question, how old would you be if you didn't know how old you are? So you could be 60 with the body of a 40-year-old, or have the chronological age of 40 and have the body of a 60-year-old. And since many of these factors were lifestyle related, in some cases people could grow younger from the perspective of what we called health age. And speaking of perspectives, these mass assessments were followed by lifestyle management, lunch and learns with topics like exercise, stress management, nutrition and motivation. We used props like rubber fat and muscle models. We passed these blobs around as instructors played the theme to Rocky and pointed the charts so people could feel the relative squishiness of fat and the firmness of muscle, as well as see how much smaller five pounds of muscle is than five pounds of fat. Now this led many to switch to more empowering kinds of goals. They got off the scale-induced whiplash, creating up and down diet roller coaster, and he hopped on a steady, positive reinforcement train of lifestyle management. Different perspective, different paradigm. To the great benefit, too, as is evidenced by many long-term healthy weight loss stories the program beget. 
and is similar to how sales activity goals can change when you back up and see the whole system. Now these participants saw the system of how the weight of desirable calorie burning muscle and the distortion of as much as seven pounds of daily water weight fluctuations made using a scale for feedback misleading and demotivating. And similarly, when we are over-focused on a particular perspective, on a particular sales activity or marketing goal, we might miss potential breakthroughs that could come from stepping outside that frame to a new perspective. And this enables us to better see things like following privacy-sensitized people with targeted ads can create negative sentiment. Or conversely, how harvesting the research people do pre-purchase by feeding them with empowering strategic thought leadership content can create marketing breakthroughs. Now we used other props besides the fat muscle models in these wellness classes. Some of the most helpful devices were the ones that gave people virtual reality-like experiences of controllable lifestyle-related limitations. Now, there's a 30-pound fake beer gut that people wear with suspenders, for instance, along with an apparatus that stimulated or simulated inflexibility by limiting movement. Now those were the opposite of ability suits, which are metaphorical Iron Man-like suits of extra abilities used in visualization exercises. An imaginary ability suit can help break past limitations of identity. Maybe he gets questions like, oh, what if you could wear an invisible superpower layer that gives the ability to generate deeper rapport and empathy with your customers, enhancing those relationships and creating a jump in closing ratio in sales. Now these are helpful thought experiments in some of the NLP-based thought leadership coaching I do. Now if someone had trouble visualizing achieving a particular leadership goal, seeing it achieved while wearing a leadership ability suit infused with the essence of great leaders becomes easier. Then they lead and succeed at a higher level. Now back to the fake gut. We'd ask people to walk around with it, do a few ordinary tasks to experience the limitations of carrying the extra weight. They noticed how they had to sit another way. They noticed how they had to bend over differently when picking things up. They'd feel themselves breathing hard after ascending a few seemingly easy steps. And we'd have them take it off to feel the difference when doing the same things. And sometimes they'd be astonished. The world's changed. And then we'd ask them to imagine taking it off again and envision how much easier and more enjoyable day-to-day -day life would be with yet another 30 pounds less fat. Now they'd imagine the greater sense of accomplishing these things with less effort and greater enjoyment and some people would gasp and smile as their vision of a new self, along with the motivation to achieve it, crystallized. You could hear the extra determination and confidence in their voice. You could feel the atmosphere in the room change. It created the same effect as an ability suit. 
And what if we had limitation mask that provided filtered lens for the eyes and filtered earplugs for the ears so we could experience our company, our service, our philosophy, our product, our thought leadership position from typical prospects, more limited understanding of what we do. What if we could step outside of our roles and see, hear, and feel things from the perspective of our audience's different beliefs about our fields, products, services, and professions? How would that change your message? How would the content we provide to educate and empower them be different? And until we really learn to see our businesses and our services through these filtered lens, through these limitation masks of our clients and prospects, there's a disconnect that can prevent fully harvesting the breakthrough growth our businesses are capable of. When we understand the customers who sets the value of a service and design it from their point of view, from the outside in. So there's thought experiments, some derived from systems thinking, for example, that go much further in developing and gathering new information, new insights from multiple perspectives. One of those is what I call the four chairs exercise. The four chairs perceptual positions exercise it's derived in part from an NLP method called cleaning perceptual positions. And it also references what we call double loop learning from systems thinking. And a systems thinking double loop learning means learning on the level of challenging the assumptions behind a skill, being open to changing those assumptions based on feedback, rather than simply learning to improve a skill that's based on working within a certain assumption. So double loop learning seeds breakthroughs in business results like sales and customer service. Multiple perspectives help challenge assumptions. So this four chairs exercise works like this. You set up four chairs, two facing each other, a third chair a little bit back looking at the center point of view of the first two. This is the detached observer. And a fourth yet farther back and pointed to the midpoint of the other three. And this fourth chair is a systems view. So first position would be like the company rep. Second position would be the customer. Third position would be the detached observer. And fourth position would be the systems thinker. Now in this exercise, I'll give you a quick summary but I'm putting a more detailed description on the episode page on thoughtleadershipstudio.com, which is linked to in the episode description if you're listening to this on an app. If you're on thoughtleadershipstudio.com listening, hey, it's right down the page. So you sit in first position while imagining you're selling and serving a customer in person, or maybe writing the prospects of sell and serve them through media. Then you Step out of that chair, stand up, walk around to shake off that state of mind, and think of a time when you were the customer, when you were the prospective customer, perhaps, of a company whose products or services you know well, about as well as your typical customer knows yours, or a typical audience member knows you. Choose a company that sells something you're interested in, 
but whose offerings in a category you could stand to learn a little bit more about to make a good decision and pick something you're interested in but not ready to buy. And as you see what you would see, hear what you would hear, and feel how you'd feel engaging with this company, sit in the second position chair and imagine a rep of that company is in chair number one, either interacting with you in person or remotely creating the content you're reading. Then step out of that chair, shake it off. Remember a time when you watched an interaction between two people as a detached observer. Now this is more like the referee we talked about earlier, where you've got to be detached and not take a side. You don't get emotionally involved. You're just watching and gathering information. So as you remember this, sit in a third position chair and imagine you're watching this interaction. Then again, stand up, shake off the state, and this time, remember when you had to understand a process, a process that you could diagram. And you know, in business, everything's a process. It may or may not be formally documented, but when we start adding these process analysis tools, it helps us optimize better. And as you think about this, sit in the fourth position. So that's this four chairs perceptual positions exercise. Now it goes much deeper than that. Now I'll put some links to some other resources on the episode page. So you can either use this as a, a mental exercise on your own or a group workshop to gain a lot more information on the customer, customer perspective, the prospect perspective, the audience member perspective from multiple points of view so that when you go back to this first chair, this first position of representing your point of view, you're taking in a lot of information from other points of view with you to better inform your rapport, better inform your message, better inform how you pace people into learning what you're teaching, whatever it is that you have to share. Thought Leadership Studio. Tired of your company's online presence falling short of your expectations? Look no further than Fifth Level Web, the web development and internet marketing company that makes the internet turnkey for companies with $5 million to $100 million in sales. At Fifth Level Web, we have high-level tech experts on hand to ensure quick response times and top-notch service. Our team will work with you to create a compelling message and web presence that sets you apart from the competition. Establishing your company as a market leader with the thought process of strategic thought leadership. But don't just take our word for it. Try us out for free. Head to fifthlevelweb.com forward slash TLS. That is the number five, T H 
L-E-V-E-L-W-E-B.com forward slash T as in thought, L as in leadership, S as in studio. Head to fifthlevelweb.com forward slash TLS to claim your web analysis and consultation and see the difference Fifth Level Web can make for your business. Let us help you cut through the clutter and achieve online success today. The link is in the episode description as well as on the episode page on thoughtleadershipstudio.com. So with that, we'll wrap up Thought Leadership Studio podcast episode number 34, The Magic of Multiple Perspectives. And to summarize again, we went over the four learnable thinking strategies of creative geniuses, focusing mainly on the first one of multiple perspectives. Helped you get acquainted with the triple perspective imagineering strategy of Walt Disney that enabled him to combine creativity with business success. Helped you contrast buyer personas with a more powerful way to gain and utilize the insight from taking the customer and prospect perspective and other perceptual positions on the leadership and follower interaction, whether that's in the business relationship, social media following, etc. Help you learn how to consciously switch perspectives to gain new insights on the issue. And we did a quick summary of what we call the four chairs exercise for expanding your thinking and gaining customer empathy. So I'm your host, Chris McNeil, marketer, strategic thought leadership coach and consultant. It's been great. Thank you for listening. And I look forward to seeing you next week. Make sure you go to the episode page, link to in the episode description. If you're not there now, there's lots of great resources there like the Marketer's Guide to Strategic Thought Leadership, the offer from Fifth Level Web for the free web analysis and consultation as a Thought Leadership Studio listener, and a link to get a free 30-minute brainstorming consultation with me. So whatever it is you're working on in your own audience building, your own audience engagement, your message building, your development of a thought leadership model. Happy to learn what you're doing. I'd love to find out what you're doing and brainstorm with it together. So thanks again for listening and look forward to seeing you next week. Thought Leadership Studio.